Taking a look at pass rush rates, how often were teams getting home in 2022? What can we learn about these teams? What are the anomalies, the standout players and defensive lines in the league? And what can we learn about the pass rushes around the league in 2023 from last year's numbers as well? Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Feel free to get those early mailbag questions in this week. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts and um, hit that notification bell so you can join us live on YouTube for that mailbag episode. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Okay, Matt, we're doing pass rush win rates today. We're looking at NFL pass rushers. Uh, we're not pass rushers specifically, and I'm going to pull it up on the screen for those of you that are watching us on YouTube. And uh, Williamson's got a little spreadsheet going here. It is spreadsheet <laughs> season, by the way, for Matt Williamson. Oh, yeah. More appearances of certain spreadsheets around the league. But um, we're talking about pressure percentage for defenses around the league. Um, we'll talk sacks. We'll talk quarterback knockdown percentage, hurry percentage, and how often those teams are blitzing as well, all under the umbrella of quarterback pressures for these teams. And I think there's a ton we can learn about the teams that were good and the teams that were bad at getting to the quarterback last year. Absolutely. So I've done this, I think, four or five off seasons in a row about this time of year when things start to quiet down, you know, try to do a little bit of my version of analytics, which is elementary school version of analytics. But I go to Pro Football Reference, which if there's anything you want to know about the league, you can pretty much find it there. It's a wonderful resource. I basically cut and paste all these numbers, but then I start to analyze it. You know, I sort them all by each category. There's 32 teams in the league. Again, not an exact science. If you're green, that means you're in the top eight. That means you're in the top quarter. If you're red, for those of you that are watching, that means you're in the bottom eight. And blitz percentage is one of those things that isn't good or bad. It's just how you choose to play football. But red is lowest. Green is most. But the other ones are how successful you are. And what I like to do is there's weird things that pop up. Like, why is this team all green, but they're red in one category? Or wow, they blitz a ton and they never get home, you know? So that's originally how I started to look at it was blitz percentage versus pressures. You know, like if you blitz a lot, you should get a lot of pressures. Well, what if you don't? Well, that's a major problem or vice versa, a team that barely blitzes, but generates a ton of pressures. I think your Niners were number one in that last year. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that, that yeah. come under both of those umbrellas. New York Jets yeah. is another one that I'm looking at on the screen that had a really nice pressure percentage and a low blitz percentage yes uh, but I, I think we got to start this off with and by the way if you're watching this on youtube and again make sure you're subscribed up there to the new peacock and williamson youtube channel uh it is filtered by pressure percentage so that, that's how it's sorted yeah, yeah. right now if you're watching this on youtube and the number one team in the nfl last year with pressure percentage wasn't the 70 sack philadelphia eagles defense it was actually the dallas cowboys who had about 16 fewer sacks on the season yeah and real quick i want to talk about the cowboys for sure because wow they're impressive 
And it doesn't shock me that they're number one, although the Eagles come in at two and had 70 sacks, which is an ungodly number. Usually something in the 50s leads the league. Dallas was at 54. But a couple notes is you mentioned this off the air, so I just want to make sure we talk about it just a touch, is pressure percentage is stickier than sacks. You know, probably people are looking at this or listening to us going, I only really care how many sacks my team gets. Well, that's fine. But the football outsiders, the pro football focuses that have done this year after year after year would say, I would rather have my team be at the top of the league in pressure percentage than sacks because there's a better chance that will translate year to year. So if you're one of these teams that's green across the board, but red in sacks, that's a good news. Like chances are you're probably in line to really boost your sack percentage. And then the other thing we were talking about, and this applies to Dallas, certainly the Eagles, probably more than any team in the league, the Chiefs, is it's also a, you know, a a chicken or egg situation in that if you have a lot of leads and you're winning by 14 in the fourth quarter, that sure helps to get, you know, your sack numbers up. The Eagles had 70. They were winning like every second half last year. But you don't get to be winning by being a bad pass rush team either. You know what I mean? So the one thing I said to you before we hit record is if I can have anything on my roster, of course, I want a franchise quarterback. But the second best thing I want is a dominant pass rush. It's all about the quarterback. Yeah. And you just follow the quarterback on the list of, of valuable assets in the NFL. It starts with quarterback. Then it's the guy that goes and gets the quarterback. So then it's the guy who protects the quarterbacks, right? Then it's the guys that catch the passes from the quarterbacks. Then it's the guys that cover the guys who catch the passes from the quarterbacks and get their defensive line in there a little closer. Right? So that's just, if you want to know what the, what are the most valuable positions in the NFL, follow that list. And the more uh, either if they're a quarterback or the more impact they have on the quarterback position, that's how, valuable they are yep yep yep. so back to the cowboys they're number one in terms of pressure percentage um they're not a super high blitz team or a super low blitz team but i think the best single pass rusher in the entire league is micah parsons and your boy nick bosa my boy tj watt miles garrett outright disrespect from matt williamson of (laughs) jay watt and nick bosa the last two reigning defensive players of the year. There's that Donald guy with the Rams. He's been pretty good lately. Not Chris bad. Jones. It's an unbelievable group of pass rushers in the league right now. And I can't stress that enough. Best group I've ever seen. And the disparity between D-line and O-line is great. But I think Parsons is number one. And I think we might see a defensive player of the year in his future. And he's yeah. officially, quote unquote, an edge player, a defensive lineman now and not a, a slash linebacker. We'll see if it actually changes how he's utilized. But uh, he's going to get up and wait a little bit. I hope he doesn't get too much up and wait because he's already a monster off the edge. And I don't think he needs a lot more pounds to be uh, a dominant edge rusher, which Matt Williams thinks he's already the best in the league. So there you mm-hmm. go. And, and that's a lot of the reason why the Cowboys had a really good pressure rate and a really good, you know, front getting after quarterbacks and hurry percentage last year. Yeah, it's a pretty good group. Philadelphia Eagles, uh, an absurd 70 sacks in 2022, Matt, uh, and number two in the league in pressure percentage, by the way. So the Cowboys, number one at 25.6% getting home on dropbacks, and the Eagles were just slightly below that, 25.5 getting home uh, to the quarterback there. And if you're getting to the quarterback on a quarter of the dropbacks, you're doing a great job. They're doing a great job. And I don't know how much more we've talked about the Eagles. I mean, everyone knows what's going on there. They seem like they're way ahead of the curve in team building. They love linemen. 
Hargrave goes to your Niners. So we'll just draft Jalen Carter and sprinkle in a little bit of Nolan Smith too, you know, to just keep the strength, the strength, two first round pass rushers. They have all shapes and sizes. They trade for Robert Quinn in the middle of the year, just for the heck of it. Throw a little Namakong Sue in there for fun too in mid year. So, I mean, they come after you in hockey waves, which is enviable. And they're the team in the league that reminds me most of like a Georgia or a Bama that has guys on the bench at any time that would, you know, play for every team in the league. Reminded even a little more of Georgia now after the last couple <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, right, right, right. The right. defenders that they brought in who had the best defensive line uh, in college football. So that makes yeah. sense. Nobody's put more resources into the uh, defensive line than the Philadelphia Eagles have, and that's why they're good at doing it. But I will say, Matt, they don't have the one star right. pass rusher that maybe the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Steelers have coming off mm-hmm. the edge, but so a lot of really good players. And you look at the 70 sacks, and I think it's one of those teams where you look and you say, okay, there's got to be some regression there. And I think there's some yeah. some teams with some positive regression. They they were among the, the tops in the NFL in pressure percentage, so it's not a surprise that they led the league in sacks necessarily, but they were way out in front yeah, seven. in sacks. And, and like you mentioned earlier, a lot of it is because of game script, and you get to, when you have a lead, you can go after opposing quarterbacks a little bit more. But uh, I, I if you look at, okay, let's say – Jalen Carter's not quite ready for prime time as a rookie. You lose who was probably your best defensive lineman last year in Javon Hargrave. That number could dip a lot. And could that affect how their defense plays overall, even though it's it's very similar unit this year? And Eagles fans hate when I bring this up, but their path to the Super Bowl, which isn't their fault, was as easy as it gets. I mean, they had the easiest schedule in the league. The way that the playoffs fell, you know, just worked out extremely well. It's just not going to be that easy anymore. And what I mean by that is you're not going to be winning by 20 in the fourth quarter as often. You know what I mean? And so it's a dominant pass rush. I probably would rank it number one, you know, in terms of all they have. But they're not going to hit 70 sacks again. I mean, that's crazy talk. Yeah, and very unlikely that they're going to the, – the opposing team is going to lose their quarterback in the, the first quarter of the NFC Championship. That kind of stuff, right, exactly. Play the Giants and you know that kind of thing. I'm sure we'll hear from Philadelphia. Oh, they hate when I say that. Yeah, let, let Matt, at Williamson NFL, Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, are, Eagles are overrated, according to Matt Williams. How about those Jets? The lowest blitz percentage in the league, but the third highest pressure percentage in the NFL. This is the most impressive team to me, and I would have never guessed that before I did the exercise. So they're in the green in quarterback knockdowns and sacks, pressure percentage. As you mentioned, they're third in pressure percentage, but they're down at the bottom in blitz rate. Like, that's how you do it. You know, I mean, that that is a, again, we always try to talk about the Niners, but that's what the Niners ideally like to do. That's what Salah is doing. And that Quinn and Williams guy needs to get mentioned, too, amongst the elites. And, you know, they have guys like Huff and, you know, they have, and now they added uh, McDonald. So maybe it's even going to get better. Absolutely. And uh, Quinn Williams, by the way, is going to get paid quite a bit of money Ooh. as is Nick Bosa this offseason as well, yep. both up for some big bumps in pay. So um, really interesting team there with the New York Jets now have a future Hall of Fame quarterback there. So that's why you're excited for a Jets season this year, right? If you mm-hmm. get that bump at quarterback because they have the rest in place. Absolutely. I mean, I think the pass rush should maintain itself, which is maybe the best pass rush in the league or one of. More of the top pass rushes in the NFL, more of the bottom, and which teams could we see flip the script in 2023 with their pass rush arsenal next? Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel, America's 
Number one, Sportsbook. Make a fast break right now to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 back. They have upped their no-sweat first bet to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book and NBA finals time, right? You got Nuggets and Heat, which looks like it's going to be a pretty good series now heading into game three with the Heat at home. Uh, looks like they are home dogs to the Denver Nuggets. Nuggets favored by two and a half there. There's tons of NBA finals props as well. There's tons of NHL playoffs to bet on. There's Major League Baseball. Every day, all summer long, with the exception of two days before and after the All-Star break. You can bet on the All-Star game as well. You can bet on week one of the NFL season with my San Francisco 49ers favored by a field goal on the road at Williamson's Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, Walking I into mean, a hornet's nest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll <talk about> <laughs> rates for both of those defense, which might play a pretty big role in that contest in week one. So. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get your no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Matt. So take a look at some of the other top teams in pressure mm -hmm. percentage in 2022. The Jacksonville Jaguars, speaking of regression, this is a team that I think could be sort of the opposite of where the Dallas Cowboys were, uh, or I'm uh, the opposite of where the uh, Philadelphia Eagles were, where you look at all their Pressure percentages, the knockdown percentage, and hurry percentages were in the green among the top of the league, fourth highest pressure percentage, but uh, they were bottom eight in sacks last year. Yeah, and I, I want to skip ahead a little and lump the Jags and the Packers together because those they both are almost the exact same profile. Really high in pressure percentage, really high in every other metric, but bottom eight in sacks. So as we opened the show, that's encouraging. You know, I mean, the Packers didn't have Rashawn Gary for much of the year. A guy like Trevon Walker is a developing player. You would think just personnel-wise, it'll be better for both teams. But even so, they wreaked a lot of havoc. They just didn't end up with a lot of sacks. I'll bet the over on both those teams from their sack numbers from last year. No doubt. Yes. Uh, a couple yeah. of notes on each of those teams. First, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft, uh, just saw a report today, in fact, that he's going to be working in that defensive line room a little bit more mm, than, good. than being that outside stand-up rusher. I, I don't think he's the Alden Smith that uh, general manager Trent Baalke thought he was drafting. Um, you know, he's got some traits like that, but I mean, he's a, he's a defensive lineman. You want his hand in, he, he's super athletic, but you don't want to drop him back into coverage. You want to go and get in the quarterback. So if he's more of a five tech on, uh, you know, on early downs, that's fine. Then he can rush from the outside, rush from the inside. I think that's where he's going to get his best production anyway. So, um, you know, and he can set the edge early on downs anyway, but he should be rushing from probably the interior just as much as he's rushing from the outside as well. So an interesting player, and you can put him as, as a stand-up rusher on early downs, no problem, but I, I want to see him rushing closer to from the inside on third downs. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like the Micah Parsons conversation. Like, sure, he's a great off-the-ball linebacker, but he's an elite edge rusher. Just do that, and hopefully Walker is similar. You know, I'm just a D lineman. Let me do yeah. that, you know. Let and do the most valuable thing. Right, 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 right. And looking at the Packers, talking about some positive regression here for, for the Packers with, the, with just the sack numbers, their defense was kind of a letdown last year. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you look at their pressure rate was good, but the way they got it is they still had to blitz a lot. They were among the, the top yeah. teams in the league in blitz percentage. 
And so I think they would love to not only get that sack rate up, but not have to blitz as much to get there. 100%. And maybe Gary coming back helps. Um, Wyatt should have a, you would hope, takes a step forward in his second season. Their first round pick was Van Ness. I mean, as usual, they have high picks all over that defense. Now it's time to put it together. But they were disruptive. So I think that's encouraging for both those teams, the Jags and the Packers. How about this one that just just stands out? like a like a beacon is the New York Giants Matt, oh, yeah. who were top six in the NFL in pressure percentage. They got home 24.3% of the time last year. Uh, middle of the road sack numbers, 41 team sacks, but a league high by a lot blitz, blitz percentage. They blitzed almost 40% of the time. That's like 5% more than number two, you know? So that's a perfect example is like, I mean, Thibodeau is a good player. I love, uh, I like Leonard Williams, but I love Lawrence. Like uh, Ojalari's a good player, but that's just how they're structured. I mean, that's a Wink Martindale thing. When he was with the Ravens, they were at the top of the league in blitz as well. They play a ton of defensive backs on the field, you know, a lot of dime, even seven defensive backs. Drafted a, a man to man corner, Banks in the first round. It's basically you know, no surprise what the Martindale defense does. But you better be high in pressure percentage. You know, I mean, if you're going to blitz, you better have some results. Absolutely. Uh, taking a look at the rest of the teams here in the top eight in pressure percentage, the top quarter of the league in pressure percentage that we haven't mentioned yet. Number five was the Kansas City Chiefs. No uh, five sacks on the year. Yeah, just under 25% pressure percentage. By the way, looking at the um, the discrepancy in the top and the bottom teams in blitz percentage the giants we mentioned just under 40 percent blitz uh blitz percentage that's a hard thing to put together those two words um the new york jets <laughs> the lowest in the league were under 50 so 25 percent more often wow. the giants blitzed than the new york jets who were 14.9 percent. and i don't have this capability but i'm curious too when this is a total side note but i would love to know what's the average number of pass rushers you bring on a drop back, you know, because there's a difference between a five man blitz, a six man blitz, a seven man pressure, you know, so this is defined as five or more pass rushers, but I know for the fact the giants bring six a lot as well, but they're not getting extra credit for that. Yeah. Or the Patriots speaking of the right. Patriots who were number seven on the list in pressure percentage last year, 24.1%. Uh, they'll bring zero at times. Bill mm -hmm. Belichick will. So that'd be interesting. Like, yeah, there's sometimes we're like, okay, we're just going to drop everybody back. Uh, and, and we're not going to you know, try to contain you and try to put a bunch of people in coverage and confuse you there. We might bring not only one extra, we might be bring two extra. We might drop somebody from this side, but bring somebody over here. So you're still rushing four, but you're blitzing at the same time. So yeah, yeah. A, a lot of different ways to, uh, to get home. So Belichick, I'm glad you brought that up because that's really interesting to me. Belichick is notorious for only rushing three, you know, I mean, it, and has had great success over the year. We know he's a chameleon week to week and changing things, but I wonder if that number is out there. If it isn't somebody smart should create it and call it the Williamson blitz number or something like I bet the Patriots average pass rushers is like 4.2 where the giants might be like 5.9. You know what I mean? Like how many pass rushers, per drop back on average, do you send at them, you know, as opposed to blitz percentage or take it up another level here, this conversation. So uh, another, so the giants were way ahead in blitz percentages, mm -hmm. but some other teams that really had high blitz percentages 
and they ended up getting home, you know, maybe middle of the league, maybe top half of the league, but not, you know, top quarter of the league. Teams like we mentioned the Packers, who there should be some positive regression there yeah, in their yeah. stats. Um, the Detroit Lions and the Arizona Cardinals jump out to me here with 31 and 34 percent blitz percentages with the Lions and the Cardinals, respectively. Mm-hmm. And they, they ended up getting home enough, I would say, but. They kind of had to manufacture it, though. I mean, that's Arizona's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's like, clearly right. they need to get better without bringing pressure, and that's you know yeah. the obvious um, elephant in the room probably for those defenses who didn't play great last year. No, like especially Arizona, I look at them and think if they're going to blitz a high percentage of the time, I bet it doesn't go well in terms of the back end holding up. Second highest blitz percentage in the league, by the way, were the Cardinals. Really? Okay. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, they're five percent less than the. They're thirty-four and a half. The uh, Giants were just under forty percent. Okay, but yeah, I think that was kind of by necessity. Uh, you mentioned the 49ers earlier. They were, you know, eleventh, I think, in pressure percentage in the league. And when you look at their sack numbers, they were they were good, not great last mm-hmm. year. The defensive Player of the Year in Nick Bosa. You know, getting I think it was what eight and eighteen and a half sacks, but he didn't get a lot of help sack wise on that mm-hmm. 49ers defensive line. So, like, bit of a misnomer. Yeah. I know there's a lot of uh, QB wins talk with Jimmy Garoppolo and his history with the 49ers, but guess what? All those seasons, the 49ers were good. They had a healthy Nick Bosa too. I think, uh, I think those 49ers wins stat might go to Nick Bosa just as much as they should go to, to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. And it adds up now. Like I, I think a lot of us, myself included thought, wow, what an embarrassment of riches to go get Hargrave. Well, maybe that front isn't as productive non Bosa division than people thought, you know? Exactly. And they're expecting yeah. a lot from last year's second round pick in uh in Drake Jackson. And mm-hmm. clearly they're you know, Javon Kinlaw's been a disappointment. So they brought in a guy to give him that first round, you know, caliber play in Javon Hargrave because they weren't getting it from Javon Kinlaw. Yeah. Big old butt on Javon Hargrave. You haven't oh, yeah, he's kicked up. <laughs> he's kicked up there in the league, according to Matt Williamson. Did, did Steelers screw up not not using Javon Hargrave enough as a pass rusher and just kind of strictly using him as that nose tackle? Um, Yes. And I always said of all the free agents that left, like in the last 10 years, that's the one that hurt me the most, even before he became a star. Cause he's such a stealer, develop him from a small school, give him a little more year after year after year. And their cap situation when Ben was making a fortune just didn't allow it. Like I bet deep down, if I, you know, had a drink with Kevin Colbert and said, who's the one that you really would have kept? I bet it would have been Javon. Speaking of those Pittsburgh Steelers, Matt, we'll get to them next. They're really they interesting. were yeah. bottom of the league in pressure percentage next. Thanks, everybody, once again for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers. Uh, we got a fun episode coming up tomorrow celebrating my co-host's 50th birthday. And uh, talking about his journey, how he ended up where he's at. We got a lot of questions, and a lot of feedback from uh, our mailbag last week, talking a little bit about, you know, how to get into scouting. How did Williamson get to where he is? Uh, Why are we doing a podcast together talking about the NFL when, you know, podcasting didn't exist when Matt Williamson started this journey. So uh, I think that'll be a fun episode tomorrow. Of course, a mailbag, and we're going to start doing our all division teams as well which will be a a really fun project this summer here on peacock and williamson make sure you're subscribed up on youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts all right bringing up the spreadsheet here on youtube for those of you visual learners and the the bottom stuff is interesting as a top if not oh i I can i I learned a lot from looking at the bottom of this yeah matt so 
Um, I always like when Matt sends me a new spreadsheet, and this one was really fun to look at. But we, we already started talking about the Steelers, so let's get there. They had to bring uh, a lot of extra pressure, and it didn't really help Matt. They were no. third worst in the NFL in pressure percentage, 17.4 sacks. They did end up with middle-of-the-road sack numbers. They got 40 sacks, but not a lot of knockdowns, not a lot of hurries, not a lot of pressure, but had to blitz a lot still to be bad at getting to the quarterback. So people around here, and I get it, just assume it's like your birthright to like be at the top of the league in sacks and beating up on quarterbacks, Blitzburg, you know, going back to Joe Green, the seal curtain. And I don't know if everyone realizes this, but it's remarkable. Before this season, the Steelers led the league in sacks five years in a row. I mean, that's bonkers. I mean, that's really, really insane. And this past year, it wasn't good. I mean, these numbers are as unflattering to the Steelers as just about any team in the league. And I think there's a misnomer that they got Hayward, Highsmith came on, Watt, you know, they're a great pass rushing team. Well, they're near the top of the league in blitz percentage, but they're at the bottom of the league in every other category but sacks, which was kind of middle of the road. I mean, only two teams, the Bears and Falcons, created less pressure last year than the Steelers. So I wrote an extensive article about this and how it could be different next year. And, you know, for DK Pittsburgh Sports, which is a local really good site that I write an article a week for. And the short answer is their pressure percentage when TJ Watt was on the field was still really good. And it yeah. was really bad when he was off the field. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Was this just TJ <laughs> Watt was half the season? Then that's huge. I mean, I get that. But I think it's more to it than just that as well. I mean, because when, when TJ came back, he was sort of a shell of himself, too. I mean, and, and teams didn't even double him for a while there as he was recuperating. So he's that type of impact player. And I'm sure Bosa, Garrett, Parsons would all be the same if you're that elite, that your numbers are drastically different with and without you on the field. And every Steelers defensive metric since Watt came to the league I mean, even their ability against the run, turnovers, everything you can imagine, yards for play, is unbelievably night and day when he's on the field versus not. So it probably will get better. But the crux of my article was all of you Sealer fans just assume it's a good pass rush. It really wasn't last year. And this is what goes back to my positional value thing. When I look at the mm -hmm. Falcons and I look at the Lions and I'm like, dude, I just I don't care. To draft another lineman draft yeah, yeah. another lineman yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. enough there's never enough you need a robin to your batman maybe you find a batman with another batman get a tackle and a and then another tackle in a situational guy and block the other teams that have all these freak of nature nature pass rushers too uh, and then sprinkle some you know the, the running back is the cracked pepper on top of the salad at the very end you know what i mean um, yeah, yeah but and, and the falcons are the last in the league at pressure percentage right and they uh, have it for like three years in a row i mean yeah, it's been so, year after year bad and that's why i crush a team like the falcons who draft a running back at number eight when you can't get opposing teams quarterback and if you can't get to them you will never be good yeah and in free agency they added calais campbell and what on yamada and maybe they're hoping uh, the penn state kid that was a second round pick last year takes a step up but that's a far cry from Miles Garrett and the top guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? You I'm know, like, like, yeah, the, yeah. the 49ers have Nick Bosa. He was defensive player in the year. Like, ah, we still need more. Let's go get J. Right. 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 And the Steelers, I, who is the Batman or who's the Robin to TJ Watts Batman? Alex right. Highsmith had 15 sacks or so. He's really come on yeah. and Cam Hayward. I mean, but for the Steelers, it was those three. And then no one else had more than two. You know, I mean, well, besides Watt, Watt had like four or five. But I mean, it was. They need the secondary guys to, to do more where 
the Bears is another one right now. But the Bears are a different story. They at least attack their offense for field's sake. If they don't right. go crazy on the D-line this offseason coming up, I'll be very critical. But Atlanta ignores it every year, basically. And they're always at the bottom in this metric every time I do it. Right. And and even if you argue, okay, well, Bijan's not just a running back because he's a really good pass catcher as well. Well, mm-hmm. you just spent back-to-back top 10 picks on pass catchers before that, too. Yeah. How about and you're not knocking Bijan Robinson. You're just saying, oh. give me a pass rusher. Right. I, I love running backs. They're fun to watch. I wish mm-hmm. they stayed healthier and, and were more valuable. They're just... Uh, they're just not. And you just had a thousand yard rookie running back, by the way, that you got in the fifth round the year before, too. So that, that's right. why I crush teams that like the Falcons who drafted uh, a running back high. And unlike the Steelers, though, the Falcons didn't even try to generate pressure. They're like, oh, we suck at getting the quarterback. I guess we'll just not be good. <laughs> yeah, was- right. We just won't blitz. We'll just play soft, you know, drop eight, drop seven. Don't allow the big play. And quarterback just sits there patting the ball. And, you know, <laughs> so and that needs to change, in my opinion, no doubt. Absolutely. And, and my team that I really love to take that step up, you mentioned the Chicago Bears. This is the reason why they won't if they don't get their defensive line figured out and, and can't pressure opposing quarterbacks. And I get why they of all teams would maybe build a little differently and say, no, we got to yeah. go all in for our quarterback and draft the first round offensive tackle and and make a big trade to go get him a number one wide receiver. I'm all the way on board and I loved the Chicago Bears offseason. But one thing that's been missing in both of the last two offseason builds for Ryan Poles since he showed up on the scene is is getting impact players on the defensive line and going and getting the quarterback. Absolutely. And Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, I'll give them a year's leeway that they better address it next year. And they were the team that traded Robert Quinn, not that he's a superstar, halfway through the season. So they were dumping even their best guys in this capacity, Roquan, you know. So I get it, but you better not be 31st next year. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, they uh, probably will be next year. I mean, next offseason, they better address it. Yes, right. And and they'll have a lot of resources again, whether it's mm-hmm. Asian dollars or more likely, you know, one of those extra first-round picks to go get themselves some, some defensive linemen. So there's two teams I want to bring up real quick. We talked Packers and Jags as regressions coming, folks, and it should be good in the sack world. Well, the Saints and the Ravens might be the opposite. You know, that they had, they both had 48 sacks, which was top eight, but their presser percentage low, you know, so they could easily regress the opposite way. And trust me, I pay a lot of attention to the Ravens or AFC North. Go pull up their defensive line on our, our lads. It's not very good. I mean, it's, they're begging for like Ogan or uh, Ajabo and Owe to be their stars. And they're unbelievably unproven. The Ravens deep front is not what it used to be. Ojabo's big, kind of redshirt player yeah, last yeah, yeah, year, yeah. and he's super yeah. talented. And, and if he has uh, sort of a breakout, which is now going to be basically his rookie campaign for the Ravens, I mean that would be huge for them. And mm-hmm. yeah, it just it's obviously, especially when you color code them with the you know the top eight and the and the bottom eight of the league, you see a team like the Saints, who's fourth worst pressure percentage, and how they get forty eight sacks. You know, yeah. how, do they, how do they get home that often for for how little they got near a quarterback? Yeah, and. That place is so loud. I'm sure that helps too. I mean, different conditions certainly help, but the Ravens and Saints are might be somewhat of paper champions in terms of sacks because the the nuts and bolts of it don't hold up that well. Um, one other bottom team I wanted to reference to is the Browns. I mean, the Browns are basically red across the board. I bet that dramatically changes this year. I mean, with the D end at thing, you know, the guys that the compliments to Miles Garrett they added, they should at least be middle of the pack next year. You would think that 
even without the best compliments to Miles Garrett, it's, they, they've always been looking for that player to go with mm-hmm. him. You know? And we clowny. Like, well, it's clowny and, you know, yeah. it's been a cast of a host of guys and some draft picks and uh, they've just, they've never found it. Yeah. And hopefully they took more stabs at it this year. You know, the drafted one, they signed to, you know, Zary Smith. So I think they probably had to figure it out and, Spoiler alert, I might pick Miles Garrett to be defensive player of the year this year. Yeah, he's due and Micah Parsons. So th- those yeah, would be some, yeah, good, yeah. some good money spent. By the way, I love fourth round pick. I think he was drafted early in the fourth round mm-hmm. by the Browns, Isaiah McGuire. He was one of my favorites in that mid-round area. I thought he was a second or third round guy at the latest. He's, he slipped to them in the fourth round. That's a nice pick. And then they brought in Zedarius as well after the draft. So they're trying to they're trying to get there. They're trying to get home. And, it, and that'll yeah. be a huge factor for the Browns and all these teams that show up in the red. I give them credit. I, I expect the Browns to take a leap. Uh, let us know what you think at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. You can get those early mailbag questions in, or you could drop a comment on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Matt and I back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson. <laughs>